Like a Pro podcast, your guide to the entertainment industry from the professionals at the top. Hello and welcome to Like a Pro podcast with me, Susie Wilde. Now you've probably seen Cabaret the movie at some point and maybe you've been to a cabaret event yourself. But what is it like when your life is actually a cabaret? Well, I'm joined now by the divine Eva Hollywood. So good to have you here, Diva. You too. Thank you for asking me. And your life really is like a cabaret, isn't it? Well, up until COVID, yes. For 16 years, I have performed all over the UK in Helsinki, San Francisco, New York, um, Iceland. And you've had quite an incredible journey into it. Was it 2005 you started? Um, Possibly. It's roughly around then. But it did coincide with my... um, diagnosis with uh, getting MS that I decided to become a cabaret performer because I decided well I can either um, hide the fact that I can't see out of my right eye I'm dragging my right left leg and I'm really really dizzy or I can just live my life and have adventures. Absolutely now um, just to let the listeners know as well I I also have MS it's one of the reasons why I was so excited to get you on because I think that you're somebody that is really amazing advocate for really living your life and, and I know from speaking with other people as well that have the condition that when I was saying I'm interviewing this cabaret star they're like oh my god she does cabaret and, you know, <laughs> she does it all so we're all really in awe of you and it's an amazing Aww. achievement for, for what you've done so I just want to touch on when you decided to start out in what you're doing in burlesque and cabaret where did it, the initial idea come from? Well, I was an artist before I got sick. I was a full-time artist. And then I got optic neuritis as my first um, issue. And that's when it affects your sight. Yeah, yeah. So I lost this. I woke up one day and I couldn't see out of my right eye. And I was so blessed that in Liverpool, that Liverpool which is where I'm from, we have the St. Paul's Hospital. And the staff there were so lovely. And they kind of hemmed and had and said, oh, we think it's a migraine, we're not sure, but it could be more serious. We're going to give you an MRI. Um, it could be a brain tumour or you might have MS. Wow. So that was quite a strange week, yeah. really, reading up on either or. And then I got my diagnosis that it was MS. But because the law had just changed and I didn't have enough scarring to be officially diagnosed, the specialist at the time said, well, you have MS, but I can't say you've got MS. You can't get any treatment for MS, so you're just going to have to live with it until you're ill enough for us to diagnose you. And so that was after I had to wait another year with lots of attacks happening. So I continued to work in my old job, struggling quite a lot. And then I got my diagnosis and went to Thailand for two months. (laughs) That's quite a a unique way to... It really was, because at one point during that experience, I lost my sight again and couldn't walk properly. Um, but, you know, you get a massage every day. That helped. Yeah. <laughs> and when I came back, I was really lucky. I'd met Matt Frazier and Liz Carr um, through artistic projects that I've been okay. involved in. And Matt asked me to do his sex cabaret when I got back. Uh, it was probably a burlesque night, but he just put sex in the title, Sex Sal. And uh, so that was one of the first shows I ever did. 
um, other than the Slipper Room in New York was actually my very first show. And that's quite iconic, isn't it? Oh, it's hugely iconic. And I completely blagged my way in. I'd never actually performed properly. But I was overdoing an art project. And I said to them, oh, um, I'm a burlesque performer from England. Can I perform at your show? And they were like, yeah, sure, come back in a week. And I was like, well, I can't come back in a week, but I can come back in two weeks. And they were like, great, no problem. And so I then ran around New York getting bits of costume <laughs> and things together and had to Google pasting because nobody done it. <laughs> I didn't know what I was doing. And I did it. I performed and I hardly took anything off. And the world famous Tigger was hosting. And he's like, well, yeah, that was Berla, <laughs> I guess. You know, the New Yorkers got so naked, they would complain if they had their period, they lost a pocket on stage. Oh, gosh. You know, and there's me. I, like, took off a ribbon and just went, Wait, and then run off. You know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and wiggle and run. Maybe that could yeah, be a show, actually. You never know. <laughs> wiggle and run. So then when I did Matt's show, I had a little bit more experience. I'd made a couple more acts. And we had an amazing night. And I just remember Lily DeMont, who was one of the first performers I saw in England. She was incredible. And in her act, it's a sad clown act. And she had water pistols for pasties. Okay. <laughs> and her end finale was supposed to be that she would squeeze these water pistols and squish water in the front row. <laughs> but the front row were all these lovely, beautifully done up old ladies oh, in wheelchairs. Oh, <laughs> and they'd come out for this bizarre cabaret evening. I was like, go grandmas. You know. <laughs> go grannies. Yeah, and, and Lily was like... I, 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 I couldn't. And so she had to kind of run up and like squish the second row because there was a guy in that row like, sorry, you're getting it. So that was really my beginnings of and the just, bizarre world. I, I'm sure um, there'll be a lot of people that know what pasties are, but oh. just for the uninitiated, these are the things that cover the nipples. Yes. Okay. And they're called pasties if they don't have tassels and they're called tassels if they have tassels, which is okay, the long bits that. that you can move. I, f I feel very uninitiated. Oh, well, there you go. You've learned <laughs> and now, now I've learned something. It's new. worth having me here. It is. Absolutely. It is. That sounds like so much fun. Almost like um, a kind of grown-up playground of you just get Absolutely. to do what you Absolutely. I was so lucky because I started and went over to New York. I met all the New York performers like Dirty Martini, like the world famous Bob, like Joe Boobs, like Julie Atlas, and these people, and Nasty Canasta. And these were cr amazing creative people. And they would make, like, honestly, Nasty Canasta's got an act where she wears a lampshade on her head the <laughs> whole time, and it's a love story, and it will have you weeping with tears. <laughs> it's the saddest Aww. thing in the whole wide world. And she never takes that lampshade off. Um, so I was inspired by them to really dig deep. And Julie Atlas Muse said to me, um, if you can make something that is truly uniquely yours, mm. then you'll go far because nobody else can make it. And that's been my whole thing the whole time is to make something that's uniquely me. Yeah, well, you've certainly done that because you have quite a few different characters that you play. And one of the signature ones is the tiger. You have this incredible gift for commanding the stage and letting people trust a tiger taper. Yeah. <laughs> did that take a while to kind of get it the audience? It did, because I, I wanted to expand out of burlesque and start creating acts that I could talk in. And I always wanted to start whip cracking because I was a fan of Indiana Jones and Zorro and all those movies when I was a kid. And 
I started to learn whip cracking and I was still walking with a stick actually when I started to crack whips and I put learning whip cracking down to the fact that I no longer have to walk with a stick because it gets you to stand up straight and use your core and if you're not standing up straight and you're a bit dizzy, then you'll probably hurt yourself. <laughs> That's incredible. So you've taken that performance side and actually let it assist in your health recovery as well. Yeah, yeah. I told my physio about it. She loves it. <laughs> and that's how come I ended up on the front cover of the MS Trust <laughs> magazine because they think I've this actually, is really good. I did see that. I did <laughs> see. So you've done uh, quite a lot of work with them. And I think where you are quite an inspiration for the community I know that we sometimes people don't like that word inspiration but I think where people really look up to you is the fact that you have worked around your your illness and not it's not a barrier or anything about you did the uh you do whip teas um which sounds very sexy and exciting <laughs> it is I'll teach you one day okay I really want to learn <laughs> I'm going to put that on my dating profile as yeah. well. <laughs> Next time I'm in London, <laughs> I am teaching you to crack a whip. By in the fact, divine two whips. Hollywood. <laughs> two whips. Oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah. Two, two for one. That's great. Mm -hmm. Coming up. And I've actually done whip making workshops in a fetish club where we were upstairs in a bedroom, which was all red velvet, which had... 24-hour porn on the TV at the same time while I'm trying to teach these people how to make a whip. But can you just turn hilarious. the porn down for a second, yeah. please? Yeah. This is really... Is that, is that a cucumber? Oh, no, it's green. Oh, okay. Uh, very distracting. Me, even though in the Tiger Tamer Act, it's about making fun of the poor gentleman that's on stage with me. And I do talk about the fact that I've got MS and in the act and that ooh, things could go wrong. Um, so, but I've, I put a lot of protection, even though it's silly protection, like they've got a tiger hat, which is part of a cape. They've got big <laughs> mittens on because you can't do a tiger tamer act without big mittens. But they're padded so, and, they've, ah, okay. and they've also got glasses with teeth painted on so they can't see anything. And they're if I hit them, I would be hitting the padding. So for my own um, protection, I make sure that they're covered. If anything goes wrong, I'll hit myself before I'll hit them. Yeah, they're, well, they're that's completely safe. <laughs> <laughs> and you see a show like yours where often, and it's it's usually a shy guy who will uh, be like, "Oh, what am I getting into?" With a beard. With, <laughs> with a beard, but just as soon as you get them on stage, they do start to relax and they to really enjoy it. And um, I guess that changes the perspective of. Yeah cabaret and non-threatening side of it as well oh absolutely and I you learn how to pick the right person I think the second time I did it a very drunk gentleman got up and came straight to the uh, the stage and I, I I wasn't a, a, hadn't done it long enough to go no not you yeah um whereas now because he got he was dizzy and felt sick and he was really silly so you want somebody that's quiet but not going to be dead on stage yeah but you definitely don't want somebody that's really over the top I nearly I did one act one night where it was a steampunk event and I asked for my volunteer and I always ask them to be shy but brave and this guy came from the very top of the auditorium in this pit helmet and uh killed and marched down the stairs i didn't ask him he marched down the stairs like i'm coming and, and then he was halfway down and everybody was looking at him and i just went 
no, not you. That's how you command an audience. Yeah. That is brilliant. I let him. Because <laughs> I knew he would try and, you know, show off. He's having to go back, tiger tail between oh, his legs. Oh, he was so annoyed. He was really annoyed. <laughs> you know, what, what I found interesting about doing um, this podcast is that there are a lot of crossovers with different areas of entertainment. And so uh, with comedy, it's kind of similar as well because you get the people that are uh, that want to join in because it's a fun show yeah. and then you get the people that want to take over yes. and so you must have had quite a few of those boisterous oh, yeah. nights <laughs> you really do it's really strange it's like it's normally the gentlemen who are drunk hmm. and they get a bit silly and bless them after the show they tell me how a whip works oh wow okay and, <laughs> and how the sound works I'm like oh thank you I have google and also uh, this is my career and yeah, I kind of I'd, have figured this out you are a world-renowned cabaret star as yeah. well uh, it's bless them that's if that's they want to tell me this i smile sweetly at them and then we have the ladies who get a, also get a little drunk and they <laughs> like to get on stage and try and get naked and show off and uh, you know, that as well so <laughs> it's just it's normally alcohol but that's part of what we do is we work with people who are very drunk I, a lot uh, of the time will be like me and blame everything on alcohol <laughs> absolutely everything it wasn't me it's my alcohol twin yes yeah yes. <laughs> but that's why I always try and do the interaction the ones where I get a volunteer in the first half of a show or early on in a show then I don't have massively drunk people it's yeah. very helpful so well I, I can see why you would command the stage as well because you have this incredibly sexy look on stage you have the hair and you've got the corsets and the whip and everything and it's like it is as exciting as it sounds okay <laughs> <laughs> if you'd like to step away from the podcast we won't judge you now <laughs> do you feel sexier when oh, you're on absolutely. stage absolutely well yeah. i created diva hollywood because i'm actually an introvert i discovered especially through the lockdowns that unless you pay me I'm an introvert <laughs> and I'm quite happy to be at home and hang out with my elderly neighbours and garden. And so when I got sick, I created Diva who in my head initially, she wasn't sick. She was everything I was like my real name, my real personality. I don't even have a Facebook. I'm not online at right. all. Uh, and I made a very conscious decision of that, that it was Diva that was online. It was Diva doing everything. And then as I grew into her personality um, and the strength and the confidence and the fun that being Diva Hollywood was, is, then I just felt more confident about it and in started to really enjoy being her. Now, Diva Hollywood does talk about having MS as well, so that when I host or when I'm doing my act, and if I do like forget something and have brain fog, I can talk about it. Yeah, and when you are on stage and uh, you, you're feeling amazing, did that help in a way with the acceptance of MS? I think it did. I think part of the writing that I'm doing at the moment, one of the lines is I started to dance naked at the age of 35 um, to cope with my disability, to really feel alive or to stop feeling hostility. I can't quote it right now, but it's something like that. It's like I started it so that I thought, well, when you get, first of all, it, there's so much going on. I couldn't, 
like now I'm an invisible, but when I first started being ill with this, I was very visible because I couldn't see, I couldn't walk around. Um, I had an attack at the top of my spine, so I spent six months where I couldn't get up um, and yeah. I couldn't lean back. I couldn't, I was staggering. There was all sorts of things happening, but then I got to go and put really ridiculous costumes on and lots of makeup and a wig. I remember one time, like I couldn't see out of my right eye, I couldn't move my left leg properly, and I was performing on a cabaret boat, and they'd accidentally drained the water in the dock, oh so God. the boat was on an angle. Oh my goodness. So all the performers were like little billy goats trying to get up and go, we're going on this side of the stage. Oh no, we're going down this side. No, we're going up this side. And I'm like, I can't see out of this eye and I can't move this leg properly and I'm trying to stay on the stage. So, so were the audience aware of the, that you couldn't see from one eye and you, you... No, not at all, because burlesque is silent. We don't right. talk. Um, I did actually yeah, course, create yeah. my my Black Swan Act originally. Um, I created with help from the Arts Council and from Dada in Liverpool, which is an amazing organisation. And they funded me. And in the act, it was... I was doing this really beautiful fan dance and then this little black swan puppet appears mm. and it starts to wreck my fans and it starts to attack me and it actually attacked me in all the places I had been attacked with my MS. Right, yeah. Because it was this dark, having this dark specter in your and life. We should explain as well that with MS it is, um, it's, an illness that affects people in very different ways yes. and because of the kind of randomness of um, where it attacks your body, that then creates different um, yes. responses to that. Were, so you, you created that as a kind of symbolism. Yes, and at the end, we pasty together. The little bird had little tiny, 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 <laughs> tiny tassels. And if I felt brave, I would let the compare explain that this was the story behind the act or they could just take it as a comedic act. The problem I had with the act was it was exhausting. <laughs> it was really yeah. hard to do. Well, I was going to touch on that, actually, because you have travelled the world. You've yeah. been doing this for for a long time with the, your career. And as somebody who understands, you know, the fatigue and and I really identify with what you're saying about you feeling attacked because in every sense, because you want to do so much yes. and then this thing gets in the way. But how have you actually been able to, to do that? How have you still been able to physically go around and travel and do what you do? Um, it's a mix. Part of it is I'm on drugs. And it's NHS drugs. I'll just make that very clear. <laughs> before they start yeah, calling before, in. Before <laughs> um, I take drugs to be normal. I take modafinil. Um, my friends call it the modafidils. Um, <laughs> I like that. I'm going to start calling it that. They, they eliminate the need for sleep. I don't take as much as they prescribe me, but I do take... I started this year taking it every, a little bit every day because it just stops you having fatigue. But you still... I've learned how to nap. I... I'm very, very careful with my diet and I mm. eat really sensibly. Um, I don't eat a lot of sugar. Um, I try and keep my weight off, which is not always uh, easy because when I get stressed or if I get annoyed, I eat. Um, and I'm You're describing my life right now. <laughs> I'm, I'm a comfort eater. My mom was a comfort eater. I'm a comfort eater. I admit it. Um, and I try on days when I can to exercise as well because that definitely has a good effect on me just trying to stay positive at that point 
mindfulness really helps as well. I think has made right. me a calmer, happier person. Well, that's great. And how have you found the promoters respond to to that? Have they been quite understanding with you know if you need to have adjustments and things? It was difficult at the start. There was a few promoters who I refuse now to work with, right? Who didn't take into consideration and. I always made sure that in my contracts, I was like, well, I need if it's travel longer than this, I need accommodation mm. because I cannot drive there and back and perform on the same day. Um, can we have food, not a cupcake? Because cupcakes were like everywhere when I first started <laughs> out. I was like, dude, guys, I need food. <laughs> Actual food, please. Um, and when I host, I ask them, can I have a chair? Because I... Well, the fact that I have a size five pair of shoes on when I'm a size six doesn't help. But, <laughs> you know, I need to, it's a long it's hard hosting. H hosting yeah. is actually harder than performing because you're you're on and off stage all night. Well, I guess you've got that responsibility as well to keep the night going. Yeah. All throughout. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and you spoke before about how the um, performance side has given you confidence. I just want to talk about how you have then passed on that confidence with your workshops because you're doing you actually do teach people I how to use a whip teach for real. <laughs> and when I say people, it's normally ladies. Yeah. Um, most of my, my most of my um, attendees are ladies, and I think a whip is an incredibly feminine weapon because it is a weapon, a thing to learn. And I get my ladies to have a hand on their hip and to strut, and because it's a very physical thing and it gets you moving, and it's almost it's a really strange thing if it's quite zen because you have to get your breath. Correct. You don't to crack a whip. You can't drink coffee because you'll hurt yourself because your heart's going too fast. So before I come on stage, I'm like breathing and relaxing. So then you can bring up the energy to be able to crack it. And I've actually done whip making workshops in a fetish club where we were upstairs in a bedroom, which was all red velvet, which had 24 hour porn on the TV at the same time while I'm trying to teach these people how to make a whip. But can you just turn hilarious. the porn down for a second, yeah. please? Yeah. This is really. Is, is that cucumber? Oh no, it's green. Oh. Okay. Uh, very distracting. Very, very I'm sure it is. So yeah, you know that that was a that was a workshop. This is like you said, my life is is very strange. Okay. So tail whip is the one that can't is the one for the fetish is the one for the yeah. fetish club okay and i'm I... learning so much you have to do a TED talk, <laughs> please do <laughs> yeah and i use normally either um a stock whip or um different kind of yeah mine's not that do you know what's so funny though you say everything so casually as well <laughs> and you must just be so immune to all of it <laughs> with the whips and the levers and everything you're just like yeah you know another you day in the office kind of are i'm 51 as well you know it's Wait. just like yeah you know this is i've had a very eccentric life and you kind of get used to these things for yeah. sure and, and also being a burlesque performer like you get so used to being naked or semi-naked that you know you have to do remember things like oh no when i'm in a shop i can't go back out to get a different size in my pants because that's not acceptable <laughs> you you do actually have to put something back on or ask somebody to do it for you because <laughs> you just do you get so used to hanging around with other people in very small spaces normally you know the the back the backstages are normally really really unglamorous they've got 
stocks and washing machines and tea towels and <laughs> let's not kill the dream don't kill the illusion sorry, sorry. yes the other side of the curtain it's feathers and oh there's all the feathers <laughs> and the beauty and the wigs and the thing but it's normally really hot and sweaty and we're all really close okay <laughs> you have maybe be- beautiful pro- bottoms in your face on a regular basis probably a bit like the fetish club as well yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i imagine yeah. so no, I think that's really incredible. That and and why I was like, oh my god, when you, you said your age is because you really don't look it. I I honestly I thought you were in your thirties. I was like, no, mom, this my mum is ninety one, so oh. I can't. I'm number six, but my mum is ninety one, so I can't really claim anything younger. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe it's maybe it is the thing of free expression and being, being happy. Of, being happy, yeah. yeah. The, well, this is why I wanted to make my show, um, the visible, you know, when I went to the Arts Council to make it was because I realised a lot of people don't try, It you need sometimes, you need to kick up the arse, you need something in your life to change you and to make you go for what you want mm. or you can just spend your life being miserable and we're not always successful and there's not every day that I'm doing good but, you know, a lot of the time I am so that's why I wanted to make it and you know encourage people and that's why I encourage people in my workshops and when performers and different people get in touch with me online and talk to me you know I'm trying to find what it is that they actually really want to do and come on let's get this because uh, sometimes they will go there just kind of for general confidence and yeah um you do have that sense of zest for life and Another reason why people have responded so well to you within the MS community is because that it's that perception that's kind of turned on its head. You know, usually we see the kind of helpless, disabled person who has given up and things like that. And you're really breaking those ableist barriers down and being like, actually, you know, you can live a full life. You can crack a whip and, you know, be sexy and do all that you you want to do. And I know from my own experience as well that having a mess that made me go, actually, yeah, I'm just just going to go for everything. So so that's really amazing. But would you have believed when you started back then, would you have dreamed that, that you oh. would be absolutely not no way I you know I started at 35 and I thought Jesus I'm in ancient now oh I'll probably do this for you know till I'm 40 at the most I'm not going to go any further than that and then I fell in love with it I just really really enjoyed it and I loved the people that I was getting to meet and the adventures I was getting to have you know like being invited over to go to Iceland and actually tour in Iceland I've done it twice now oh wow and I just love it it's an incredible country and the lady that Margaret that is sort of like the head of the burlesque community over there she's just so warm and inspiring and the women that have come to my workshops and work with me and come to the shows are just phenomenal and we have so much fun (laughs) so much fun. it it sounds like it and it's great i highly recommend it the hot pools for us mses to go and be able to sit in the volcanic water and just go (sighs) i'm there already and i do you know what i like that when you yawned even that sounded like a tiger (laughs) a little bit We went every day. There's one in, uh, I can never say the name properly. I'll get told off from my Icelandic friends. I'm sorry, Retrovik. There's a, a like a, a, a normal pool, as they call it, near the big church. I think it's like six pounds for the day. You can go in and they have different pools that you can sit in, you know, different depths. And they're just, they're brilliant because they're very picky on you have to be very clean. You have to come into the changing room, get changed. 
go and have a shower, wash your swimsuit. They have okay. a sign with little red dots in all the places where you got to wash. <laughs> You're not taking any of that into the water. <laughs> then you it's very hygienic. Very hygienic. Well, it's hot or, you know, it's hot water and it, things can happen. That's why none of them go to the Blue Lagoon because they think it's disgusting. <laughs> um, what's, what's the... The Blue Lagoon's the really famous, very expensive. It's a very beautiful, big, famous pool that pe oh, people Oh, sorry, I thought to. that was like the name of a club to me. I know. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not another fetish club. <laughs> <laughs> but then you just, you put your swimsuit on and then you go and sit and it's, oh, it's great. Oh, that sounds absolutely blissful. Where you're at now, what, what are the plans for the future? I know you mentioned your Arts Council show. Could you just explain a little bit about that? Well, I was doing a lot of gardening <laughs> and I'd rearranged my sock drawer for maybe the sixth time over <laughs> our many lockdowns because every time I tried to go for an event, it didn't happen. So um, a friend of mine actually writes Arts Council grants for a living and she'd put a post saying that she had some free slots and I was like, oh, okay. So I messaged her and we had a chat and she was like, yeah, well, that's it goodish idea I guess um you can do better <laughs> she's known me for a really long time so I can I can take that from her and she was right and I had well I said well I've got this idea and she was like yes and so she helped me to write it and I got it and it's been incredible I've got to work with uh Peta Lily that's who I was working with this week for the first time in the real world it's been zoom the whole time um up until now and she's a dark clown I've worked with Sarah Louise Young, who's an incredible actress and producer and director in her own right and writer. Uh, Dusty Limits, who you may know from the London scene, yeah. he's been my lyricist. Uh, Velma von Bombom, who's a fantastic performer in Liverpool, she's been working with me on puppets. And Gary Robson, who's a wheelchair producer and director and actor in his own right as well. As, uh, who's been one of my mentors too. So I've had these amazing people. And, oh yes, I can't forget Nana Funk. <laughs> She's also been there for uh, improv with me and ukuleleing. And the story is basically, it's called Visible in Every Way because as somebody who's now an invisible disabled person and the struggles that we have, um, I wanted to sort of highlight what's going on, but in a way that wasn't therapy, that could make right. people laugh um, by sharing how I've created my life, what I've done and challenge them to challenge their own lives and to also maybe challenge the misconceptions that people have because I'm sure you've had it too when people say, but you don't look sick. Yes, definitely. Yeah, It's a real bugbear. It it's, is. Yeah. Oh, it's one of my <laughs> favourite things. They think that you're now cured because you don't look sick. Yeah. Um, for just for everyone out there that's not true just I, so you know <laughs> no it's not true and I have a folder full of I've done a lot of research online and the the kind things that people have said to other people like oh well at least you'll get a free car or you're too Gosh. you're too young to have this and oh you shouldn't have children um you know it the list just goes on and on and on um so it's kind of challenging people to think about mm. that and to also understand themselves to understand maybe family members or friends that they have and it's just been wonderful I've spent six months 
in my velour jumpsuit a lot of the time. I'm writing, I'm writing poems. I'm writing poetry. Oh, wonderful. Um, inspired by the, the process. And I've never wrote before because as a dyslexic, I was told I couldn't write. So I've, I've never felt confident to write. And these poems just came out. Me and when I first asked Dusty, we thought, well, we'll get one song. I think I've got 36 poems at oh, least. Wow. <laughs> um, and two songs that are... I think we'll be going into the show. You, you were performing them recently, weren't you, at the Toulouse Lautrec? Yes, on Monday night. I I performed some of the poems that may come into the show, or that might have been your only chance to hear them. <laughs> Who knows? And I've done one other show. And then on that week, I actually get a week in the Playhouse in Liverpool, um, sponsored by the Everyman. They're my um, supporting kind. And they're giving me a week in a theatre to create a sharing because it's R&D so it's not a show um, and it's been absolutely wonderful but it's been quite difficult for them because they're are we doing enough? <laughs> <laughs> I think you know still it sounds incredibly amazing the fact that you have this huge support network and brilliant brilliant people around you really, really good difference. well it was great to have Gary because as somebody who's been an activist in the disability world for so long he was able to the my very he was my first zoom because I want this to be a relaxed show so that people can laugh too mm -hmm. if they're going to make if they want to make noise they can make noise we'll have um information at the start of the show so they'll understand if there's going to be loud noises or lights or anything that might upset people so that they know that it's there if they need to leave during the show they're welcome but that was my first lesson was to yeah. make sure that and that there's going to be subtitles there's going to be signing there's going to be something there for everybody so that if you're blind or you're deaf or you've you know you're i did want to talk about if you wanted to get into cabaret and burlesque, and I'm sure there'll be a lot of listeners who listen to this. Oh, I'd love that. And they're just, yeah, I think they would be genuinely um, inspired to, to give it a try. So how do you actually go about doing I that? I would recommend finding shows in your area, in your town, in your city, and support the shows and go and see because there's so many different types. If you want to go into burlesque there's the classic there's cheesecake there's comedic and there's something for everybody um there's something for you know all ages all shapes all sizes all genders all races it's for everybody mm. every ethnicity is covered and checked and if you find somebody that you think oh they're amazing drop them a line they may not respond drop them another line they still may not respond <laughs> Because they might be busy, but a lot, you can do research online to find out, well, maybe they do classes and maybe I could support them by going right. to a class with them and having a chat with them and just go with an idea of what you may or may not want to do. And you don't have to take everything off in burlesque. I've seen some incredibly funny acts where people take no clothes off at all, um, but they're still doing burlesque. It, it, it's just so wide ranging. And, you know, it's the same with cabaret, whatever you want to do in cabaret or stand up or, you know, there's singing. We used to have a lot of singing flings. So there was singers who would then strip at the same time as <laughs> singing, which is <laughs> I love that singing fling. <laughs> singing fling. Um, but yeah, it's a I think go and support, go and ask a promoter. Can I uh, we call them uh, knicker pickers or kittens? And they are the people who um 
sort out the stage. They'll put things down in certain positions because we have, yeah, I know we make it look effortless, but there's really a lot of planning involved. And so things are put in certain positions and then costume pieces are flung randomly across the stage and confetti and glitter and all this stuff. I actually didn't even think of that, that you would have to know where to put (laughs) <laughs> in some places people actually will like I worked in Geneva and you we we had to strip to the right hand side of the stage and everything had to go in a pile you were not allowed to fling it you could fling it yeah or swing it but then it had to go over there because we had such a quick change around between that part of the show and the next part of the show the person had to pick it up really quickly so they everything had to go over there but in some cases, people used to like just fling everywhere, and then per these per stage kittens <laughs> have to go and try and find everything. Or um, we do mention that you know um, audience members will reach across and oh, they'll try and take it. Yes, as a little bra, souvenir. Bras, you know, th- we spend a lot of money and a lot yeah. of time crystalling these bras and these gloves and things. I must say that was my first thought. <laughs> to be honest, yeah. Like, <laughs> That's expensive. It's like, <laughs> Madam, will you please open your handbag? No, no, I don't have anything in this handbag. <laughs> Madam, you were seen taking a bra off. And can you and imagine if they end up on the prime <laughs> shows? <laughs> please squad. Blurrily walking out <laughs> yeah. with some pasties in their hand. Yeah. We're like, seriously, if you sniffed that, you wouldn't want it in your handbag. Take it out. <laughs> it's really, we make it look glamorous, but it's really hot and sweaty. It's minging. It's like... <laughs> you know, those costumes aren't easy to clean. So. so if you go around stealing lingerie for less performance, jokes yeah. on you. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Everybody thinks, oh, these, oh, they're really glamorous. Oh, they're really, you know, you end up with like itchy uh, glitter on your chest that chaffs. <laughs> and if you're doing a lot of shows, like, like the one I mentioned in Geneva, because we were doing two, sometimes three shows in a night. And you're tearing pasties off. We, you, uh, I use um, toupee tape, and you end up okay, with well the shape. Tip. You end <laughs> up with the sh- sh- Oh, I've got another one for you. You end up with the shape of the, your pasty tape on your all around your breast, okay. and the skin gets pulled, and it's very painful. Um, don't put moisturizer on before you put your pasties on because they will fly off when you start to sweat. If it's really hot put um, antipers- spray antiperspirant on your breasts and then your pieces will... There's a- some tips for you. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much, Diva. That's, you know, I do love that you say things in a very matter-of-fact way, <laughs> like a teacher. Yeah. Just like, and remember, to not moisturize. I nearly put somebody's eye out because I had these really heavy ones that were made out of Demonte and it was a really, really hot June night and it was in Manchester and I turned around and it just went... <laughs> Right, and like cut him. It cut him in the eye. And he came up to me afterwards with it. He was like, oh my goodness, thank you. I'm going to lunch out on that store for the rest (laughs) of my life. This is amazing. He probably still is. He's got a little scar. I got this at a burlesque night. (laughs) And that's not the kind of thing that you could just like have a first aid box for, for, Mm -hmm. um, you know, tassel cuts. Well, (laughs) Diva, I've had so much fun chatting with you. It's been amazing. So please keep continuing to... Be your brilliant self. Thank and you. I know I speak for a lot of people in the MS community when I say that you really are an inspiration and it's amazing to see you flourish. So thank oh, you so thank much. Thank you so much. And thank you for having me. This has been such a really fun time. Thank you so Yay. much. <laughs> okay. so I feel that, like I should clap. Yeah, I know. I feel <laughs> like I should clap as well. <laughs> but let me do my professional okay. voice now. 
that's it for Like a Pro. And remember to tune in another time wherever you get your podcast. You see, <laughs> I did that. <laughs> I, I was all professional for all of 30 seconds. Okay, thank you again. Thank you. Thank you.